Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. And today we are starting a brand new series that, of course, I'm really stirred about. We're going to call this series The Glorious Church. I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to go to the core, the core scripture for this whole series. And it's at the time when the early church has just begun. And it's Acts chapter 2, which is, of course, the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a time when all the believers were upstairs in the upper room and they were praying and it says the Holy Spirit came in like a flood and they were um, absolutely overwhelmed by the power of God. They began to um, speak in tongues. The fire of God fell. There was a prophetic word that was giving about, you know, all the things that God was going to do in the last times, in the end times. It was an incredible passage, but it ends, um, or it sort of begins to come to an end around verse 37. It says this, now when they had heard this, this is all the people that had gathered. You know, thousands of people are gathered in the street outside and, you know, because everyone was saying, what the heck is going on here? There was like an outpouring of God that was absolutely explosive. And it says, when all the people had heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? What do we have to do to this? What response are we to have to all these things we've just heard? And Peter said to them, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children to all of those who are far off for all of those who the Lord your God will call. And with all, and with all these other words, he testified, he exalted them being... And he said, be saved from this perverse generation. All those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, around 3,000 people were added to the church of Jesus Christ. And they continued steadfastly in the, in the apostles' um, uh, teaching, in the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And then fear came upon every soul because many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common and they sold their possessions, they sold their goods, they divided them among everybody as anyone had need. So continuing every day with one accord in the temple and they broke bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They praised God having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church every day those who were being saved. What a fantastic passage of scripture. That is the birth of the church. That's the start of what we know today as the church of Jesus Christ. Um, it was an amazing start. God had poured out his spirit just on 120 people and within just a few hours, I don't know how long that was, but such an outpouring of God, 3,000 people were added to the church in one single day and they were all baptized. Such an outpouring of God. It was the beginning of the church. It was the first time here that the Apostle Peter had, had, had spoken really after he denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times on that incredible night when he was crucified. And yet the first time he preached, there was an explosion and people came to Christ and the church was built. It was the start of a growing church. It was the start of the gospel being preached to every creature. This was the birth of the church. Here we are today, you know, thousands of years later, 
and the church is all over the globe. Even today, it is the greatest, what people would call a religion, in the world today. Over a third of the world would call themselves Christians. We still sell the Bible today, and it's still the highest selling book of all time. It began in such a small way, but such an explosive way, the Church of Jesus Christ, and today it covers the globe. So over this series, I want to be talking about the glorious church. What makes the church the church? Who are we? Are we just a building? Are we just a gathering of people? Are we just a group of people who can see something online and we, and we hear a bit of teaching? Or is the church of Jesus Christ something for, you know, far more than that? The Bible says here there were signs, there were, there were cities. If you, know, if you read through the book of Acts, whole cities came to Christ. The world was being turned upside down. In fact, that's what they said when the disciples came to one city. They went, oh no, here come the ones who are turning the world upside down. The impact of the church was, was explosive. I've used that word so many times just in the last few minutes. But the church exploded on the scene and the world would never be the same again. The Bible is clear, the church grew, the church, you know, um, here we find out God added to the church, but it isn't, you know, too many um, uh, chapters into the book of Acts where it says it was increasing and then it grew and it spread and the whole of Asia Minor heard the word of the Lord just because one man was, was speaking every day from the school of Tyrannus. It says the whole of Asia heard the word of God at that time. I believe the impact of the church is world-changing. It's, it's impacting. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ, we're called to be a city on a hill, a lamp on a lampstand. And I believe the church is a glorious church and God wants the church in the 21st century to be no less impacting. But you know what? There are values and there are qualities about the church. So in this first, um, in this first sermon here today, we're going to go all the way back actually to the uh, 16th chapter of um, um, Matthew and verse 18 where the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking himself and he sort of announces this idea of the church up until this point he'd been talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom and the kingdom principles and the kingdom values and the kingdom of heaven and he was speaking like that but there was a time here where he said this he said to Peter you are Peter and upon this rock I will build what I will call my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against the church. What a powerful scripture, and I'm sure you've heard that before. It's absolutely central to any church. I'm sure we've prayed it, we've preached it, we've believed it, we've stood on it, we've prophesied it. I will build my church, the Lord Jesus Christ said. He's really passionate about it. At this very heart of the Gospels when a man has heard from the Father on the inside and, you know, because he heard from God, because he heard from the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ said, that's made you like a rock, Peter. And upon the rock of hearing from heaven, I will build my church and it will be indestructible. It'll be invincible. It'll be unshakable. It will fill the whole world. I will build my church and even the gates of hell themselves will not prevail against the church. So we're going to think about that today. So the first thing I'm going to think about today is this statement, I will. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ takes the church very personally. 
It's very personal to him. He didn't say somebody else is going to build the church or, or an organization is going to build the church or a board of elders is going to build the church or a senior pastor is going to build the church or a volunteer team is going to build the church. He said, I will build my church. He owns the church. It's his church. He's the head of the body. He's the captain of the host. He's the, you know, he's the king of kings, the Bible says. But he says, this is my church. I will build my church. Three reasons why Jesus came, actually, in the Bible. The first one is this. He came to be the sacrificial lamb and to pay the price for sin. The second thing the Bible says he came to do is to destroy the works of the devil. Sin and sickness and, and lack and insufficiency and jealousy and anger and rage and all the things of the sinful nature, actually. But the third reason he came is, is because he said, I'm going to do some building. I'm going to build my church. He takes it very, very personally. In the book of Acts, again, we can find out a time when there was this man called Saul. He became the Apostle Paul. And he was a persecutor of the church in the early days of the church. And he was there holding the coats as they stoned Stephen. And um, he was absolutely against the church. And he encountered the glory of God on the road to Damascus. And it says he you know, fell off his horse. He hit the ground. And the Lord Jesus Christ turned up in person. And he said something interesting. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting the church or the disciples or the apostles? He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And yet Saul was persecuting physical people. He was persecuting the church. But the Lord Jesus Christ said, it's me you're persecuting. You see, Jesus takes the church very personally. You know, when somebody criticizes the church, he takes it personally. When somebody tries to divide the church, he takes it personally. When somebody tries to put the church down or to restrict the church, he takes it personally. Jesus loves his church. He gave himself for his church. It's really clear in the Bible that he is the one who said, I am committed to being the one who builds my church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, that the whole of the church, as we operate together, perhaps I'm going ahead of myself a little bit here, but as the church operates together, it all builds up into the one man Christ with the Lord as the head and us as the body. All of us together are the Christ in the earth. He's the head and the church is the body of the Christ. See, he takes it very personally. When he says, I will build my church, it's because he is the Lord of the church. He's the king of the church. He's the head of the church. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. Psalm 127 says this, unless the Lord, unless he builds the house, the ones who do the work, they're actually doing something that is just a waste of time. Unless the Lord is the one who builds his church. So I want us to think about how he builds his church because obviously the church isn't just a gathering. It's not just something that we attend. It's not a building. It's something that he is involved in. It's something that lives. It's something that breathes. And he said, I want to build my church. And as he wants to build the church, I want to know what his job is, but I want to know what our job is. Obviously, his job has got to be that he leads the church, that he's the Lord of the church. 
He doesn't come in and move chairs on a Sunday. He doesn't come in and make the tea and the coffee for people. He doesn't come in and, and operate the lights and the sound or play an instrument. He's the Lord of the church. He speaks, he directs the church. He puts the power in the church. He puts the grace on the church. He pours out the spirit in the church, but each of us have a job as well. It's a very functional thing, a church. A church isn't something that can be seen online. I know we have that expression a little bit at the moment, and I think over the last year, you know, a number of us have really had to grapple with, you know, can you actually do a church online? Well, you can do a service online or a preach online, but the church isn't something to watch. The church is something that is built. It's something that actually gathers. It's something that has life in itself, and the Lord Jesus said, I want to establish something in the earth, and I want to create something so powerful that the world will never be the same again. So our job is functional, but his job is spiritual. We could say that. So he said, I will. The second thing, obviously, is that obviously he says there is, I will, I will actually do the building. I will build my church. As I say, up until this point in the Gospels, he's talked a lot about the kingdom of God, but the church is absolutely central to the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God spans absolutely everything, spans everywhere. Everywhere where God is king is the kingdom of God, and the kingdom is a kingdom that has um, uh, values in it. The kingdom has certain um, understandings in it. It has certain ways of operating, and the church is the physical side of that. It's the place where the church is gathered and the people actually gather together. I believe that as the church is built by Jesus Christ, then the church will grow. We find out here in Acts chapter 2 that the church grew. The church, actually after this point, it carried on growing and it grew more and it grew more until here we are today, over a third of the world say that they are Christians. We'll probably have to think about that statement, what actually makes a person a Christian and what actually makes them part of the church in this series. But but the church has to do with a culture, a set of values, a set of beliefs that then are displayed in certain um, outward appearance, certain things that are said, certain things that are done, certain attributes to a person. Because if you believe something and if you have a certain set of values, then you're going to behave in a certain style. I absolutely believe from God's word that healthy things grow all by themselves. That's something that we talk a lot about here. There's a whole, a whole understanding of, that, of, of things that create a healthy church, a healthy church environment, just as there are things that make a healthy family or a healthy business or even a healthy physical body. There are things that make a healthy church. And healthy things grow all by themselves. And as we go through this series, we're going to go through a number of things that are absolutely vital to a healthy church. But as you allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be the one who actually does the building in the church, then the church can be healthy and therefore healthy things grow all by themselves. There's that great parable in the Bible where it says a man scatters seed on the ground and even though he goes to bed and he gets up and he goes to bed and he gets up and the sun goes up and the sun comes down, the seed grows all by itself. 
if the seed is healthy and the soil is healthy, it grows all by itself. And I'm absolutely of the firm belief that you don't have to make a church grow. You don't have to try to make a church grow. If you make a church healthy, then a church will grow all by itself. If it's not growing, then it's not healthy. And that's quite a challenge. And here we are at the very start of what we've called a series called the Glorious Church. And I believe the church is glorious. And if the church is glorious and if the church is healthy, then it is going to grow all by itself in so many ways. So as we build a healthy culture, as we build a healthy church, we are going to see the church grow in every way. The Bible's clear. It says that if you are to establish something and then you want to develop something, make sure you build with gold and silver and with precious stones. It was actually the Apostle Paul, he said, please don't build with wood, hay and straw because that just won't last when everything starts to shake or when the fire um, you know, comes or tests and trials come on a person's life, if they've just built with, with the straw and the wood and the hay, then it's not going to last. But if we build with something strong, then no matter what goes on us, you know, in our environment or in the church or in the world, it's going to be unshakable. Uh, it's going to be unstoppable. There's, of course, that other parable that the Lord said. He said, a wise man builds his house on the rock. And again, how he builds... It then determines what happens to the house when the floods come. See, Jesus said, I will build my church. And if he's doing the building, you can absolutely guarantee it's going to be on something solid and it is going to be built with gold and silver and with precious stones. So I want to ask us the question, what are we building? Well, we're not trying to just build a building here. We've got some great facilities. I am so thankful to God for what he's done with the physical buildings that we have. And we're going for some new ones now. So there's all sorts of things going on, which is really exciting. But at the end of the day, the church is not about a physical building. We are a group of people. The church of Jesus Christ is not something you can go to. It's not something that you can just have on TV. The church of Jesus Christ is the people. It is the people. It is the people who say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And if he said, I will build my church, then he's actually going to build us together. The Bible says we are being built as a temple of living stones where God lives himself. He doesn't just live in a building, he lives in a person, but there's something so powerful that as the church operates together, as we are built together, that God dwells in us in a corporate sense. There is no greater praise and worship than when people gather together to lift up the name of Jesus. There's no greater prayer than when people gather together to pray. There are times in the Bible when people gathered and the building shook doesn't happen when people pray on their own, but when people gather, something happens. Why? Because we're being built together for God to dwell amongst us. It's important that we understand that God wants to build our life. He wants to build a culture. He wants to build families. He wants to build healthy children. He wants to build a corporate identity of the church and not just some kind of individualistic thing. As I was going through this and preparing for this, I was, I was thinking about all the statistics that there are about the church. And I was absolutely horrified to read this one, that of all the people that say, I'm a Christian, 
over 80% of people do not attend a church. And yet they say, I'm a Christian. That's in the UK here. They say, I'm a Christian, but they don't engage in the activities in any way at all of a church in their locality. And I think that's a horrifying thought because somebody thinks that they're a Christian and they think that they've got a relationship with God and yet they're not engaged with the very thing that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and Almighty God is clear in the Bible, I'm going to live in my church and God wants to put us together as the church. So we're going to think about some of these things. It is important that we have an understanding of how we are to gather together. I love the fact we're in an age of technology. I think this is fantastic that we can be online and we can Zoom and we can live stream and we can do all of these things. But all of those things are to add on to our experience, not to replace the church of Jesus Christ. You see, the church is something to engage in in a physical way, but it's also something to understand you don't actually go to church. Today's quite a teach, really, isn't it? It's not something that we do. We don't actually go to church. We are the church and we gather. So if a person says, I don't need to go to church, well, that's really an erroneous thought. And if somebody says, I have gone to church, therefore I'm a Christian, that's also an erroneous thought because the church is not a place. It's not even an experience. It's not a gathering. The church is the temple of God. It's all of the believers added together who are being established together for God to dwell amongst us. It has to do with function. You know, the Bible's clear. It says that Almighty God is the builder. And if ever you build something, you need some kind of a plan. You need some kind of a foundation. And it needs to be for purpose. And as we go through this series, we're going to find out how God wants to build his church using you and I to do just that. So the third thing today and the final thing is Jesus said, I will, I will build, and he said, I will build my church. I've already said he takes it personally. He owns the church. The church is the only thing that God ever had to buy. That sounds a bit crazy, really. It sounds a bit strange. Everything else God's just created, but he says he paid the price and he purchased the church with the blood of Jesus Christ. He had to buy this. It isn't just something that just happened. A price was paid for the church to be born. It belongs to Jesus Christ. A number of things the Bible, you know, has as, it, as examples of what the church is all about. The first thing is that we are the body of Christ and Jesus is the head. The second thing is we are the family of God and the Lord Jesus Christ enabled that to happen by shedding his blood. He is really the firstborn of all the children of God. It's also called the temple of God and it's filled with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also called the army of God and of course the Lord Jesus is the captain of the army and it's also called the bride of Christ which in the end times and after we all go to be with the Father, it actually speaks about in the Bible that the church and the Lord Jesus Christ have a, a marriage ceremony. So all of these examples of the church 
absolutely involve the Lord Jesus Christ at the centre. But all of these are functions. It's not just something to attend. We're a body, a bride, a family, we're a temple. All of these things involve us being involved and absolutely pouring our whole heart into what happens. You know, if you're part of an army, it's not just that you do your own thing. You're there as part of an incredible force to achieve a goal, whether it's to take a piece of land or to defend something. I think about, you know, armies in in the Old Testament and armies actually in the empire days of the Roman Empire. And each soldier had to defend the person on their right and on their left. It was their job to not just defend themselves, but to defend the people around them. And that's how they were so indestructible. As we're a family together, you know, family, God's a God of family and the church is a family. And we operate as a family and we honor people like you would honor people in a family. And we encourage people like you would do in a family. The church is a temple. And as we think about the temple in the Old Testament, where God filled the temple with his glory, something happens when the church comes together that can only be experienced when the church comes together physically. That's really clear in the Bible. And the church is, of course, the body. I don't know, perhaps I'm the end of the little finger. Perhaps you're part of the wrist. Perhaps somebody else is part of the elbow. I don't know. We've all got a set part to play in the body. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that Almighty God has set in the body each person just as he chose. And it's important that we all find our identity in the body of Christ. We can't do that on our own. That needs to be us together. I believe in the calling of the local church. I believe it's absolutely fundamental to our faith and to our relationship with God that we are involved in the local church. The church is victorious. You know, the church in an area is a city on a hill. It is a lamp on a lampstand. The church is victorious. The church, it's really clear in the Bible that when everything starts to shake, the church is unshakable. When everything starts to fall apart, the church is unshakable. When everybody has questions, the church is steadfast. The church is the greatest plan that Almighty God has ever had. It's what Jesus actually died for, is to establish his church and to equip his church and to build his church and to strengthen his church. I've given my whole life, you know, from the time I gave my life to Christ when I was 19 years old, I've given my whole life to say, Lord Jesus Christ, build your church in a community. I know it to be the most important thing and the most incredible thing that God would ever do, and that is to build his church in a generation. The church spans denominations. The church spans age groups age ranges. The church spans ethnic groups and different cultures. The church spans every division that is known to man. When somebody gives their life to Christ and they become part of the body of Christ, part of the church, then we are one. Out there in the world at the moment, it's as if things have gone crazy in this whole area of division. There seems to be more and more hatred, more and more division. And what people are trying to do is trying to force everybody to come together. But you know what? Outside of Christ, that is an impossibility. It's only in the body of Christ where we all become one in the church of Jesus Christ as the Lord Jesus as our head that all the divisions fall away. 
that all the animosity is absolutely destroyed and what comes in instead is a love and a peace and a joy which knits people together in the most amazing way. The only peace on earth is achieved through knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour of our personal lives. Even though the church is not just a gathering, the church must gather. Even though the church is not just a social action group, the church is salt and light in every generation to bring incredible change. But first and foremost, the church is the place where Almighty God proclaims from, you must be saved and you must give your life to Jesus Christ. The church is the place where the Word of God is proclaimed from in every generation. As we close today, I want to encourage you to understand the power of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. So I'm going to encourage you today to allow him to build your own life into what he calls the church. Perhaps you're in a place where you don't know of a local church in your area. I'm going to encourage you. There is a church in your area. There is a church where you fit. There's a church where God has called you to be. There is a group of believers, there is a family, there's a body, there's a temple, an army, a bride, just in your area where God wants you to be. Why? Because as we gather together and as we function together, the Lord Jesus Christ can be the head of that as we function together as the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church of God in our world today. Speaking into a generation, being the church victorious, the glorious church. I'm going to ask you, friend, have you ever allowed? Have you ever opened up your heart? Have you ever said yes to Jesus Christ? Have you ever said, I want to know salvation in my life? We've read, and I'm going to carry on with this next week, about how, how he preached. You've got to be saved, repent, believe, and be baptized. And, and I want to ask you today, friend, have you ever said yes to Jesus Christ? Have you ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? I did that. 35 years ago, 36 years ago, I was compelled. Something stirred in my heart. It hit me like a ton of bricks, really, that God loved me. I didn't know, understand the Bible. I didn't own a Bible. I didn't know what was in the Bible. I knew some bits about Jesus. I've been raised in, in a church, but I didn't like it. I didn't I didn't like going. I didn't really want to know what was going on. But when I realized that God loved me and this was personal and that Jesus Christ paid the price for me to give me eternal abundant life, the only response I could have was, Jesus, I give you my life. Friend, I'm going to ask you to pray today. And it's a simple prayer to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life as your Lord and Savior, just like those 3,000 people did on that day. They said, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, you've got to repent. You've got to, you've got to think a different way. You've got to receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. I'm going to ask you to pray with me now. Why don't you pray this out loud wherever you are? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. I thank you that you've shown your love through sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to give me life. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Saviour and my uh, friend. I receive you today and I receive your eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, the Bible's really clear. You've 
actually made a transition, the Bible says, from darkness to light, from being lost to being found. There's going to be other steps. We're going to encourage you to get a Bible and find a church somewhere where people gather after hearing a sermon like this today. But I'm going to say goodbye now and I'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. God bless you. Come on, church. Let's go into all the world and turn our world upside down.